your host, Eric Balance, and this is the Resilient Minds Podcast. Join me as I explore the capabilities of our minds and how our X Factor can become our Y Factor. Now is our time. Welcome, everybody, to the Resilient Minds Podcast. I'm sitting here with a dear friend and mentor of mine, Mr. Damien LaFranchi. What's going on, my brother? How are you, my man? It's good to have you, man. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, you know, I've been... Uh, a few weeks ago, I think, no, a few months ago now, we've had, we had Todd on and I'm really excited after our, after the mastermind to be able to like connect with you deeply, a little bit deeper and now be able to like have you on the show, share your brilliance. Excited, man. Honored to be here. Uh, want to bring the, bring the heat, tell some stories and just bring a lot of value for the tribe and just, uh, man, I'm excited, man. Cause your, your passion's infectious. So I know we're going to have a lot of fun together and do some great stuff, man. Absolutely, bro. And, you know, for those of you that don't know Damien, you might recognize Damien as, you know, Todd Brown's business partner. Uh, he's the CEO of, you know, uh, Todd Brown's business. He runs it. He's been, you know, a, a corporate, former corporate slugger turned seasoned online uh, marketer. And it's been pretty fascinating to, you know, be, be a part of what Damien does and now being connected to him. He's, really managed millions of dollars in media um, and generated multiple millions more. And now in addition to running Todd Brown's business, he consults with their multi-million dollar clients as part of their top one mastermind program. Damien also was an expert at the art of scaling and holds a reputation for building empires from the ground up. You know, he's personally taken $0, turned it into seven figures for himself, scaled countless businesses from six to seven, and strategically guides seven-figure companies to eight figures and beyond. So I'm really excited to, you know, pick pick Damien's brain for anybody that's listening. And, you know, if you're, if you're watching this live on Facebook right now, um, I encourage you to go check out Todd and, and see what Damien's doing and, and, you know, check out Marketing Funnel Automation. These guys are brilliant. So... Without further ado, my friend, you know, I always talk about on the Resilient Minds podcast about how our experience of life really is our X factor, right? And how it contributes to our why, our big why, our big purpose. What would you say that, you know, really was a pivotal, you know, and, and I'm certain, you know, with all of us, we all have these, so many of these pivotal moments, but what was some defining factor that, you know, maybe switched that gear for you? and allowed you to take the next initiative from wanting to do more and following your why. Yeah. So that, that's a, it's everybody's story is unique. I'll kind of tell you a a piece of mine and I'll also kind of start to to tie it into where our, my journey with Todd started, uh, believe it or not, it's good. We're going to talk about some, some stuff a lot of people don't know about. So really for me, you know, I, I came from, again, I came from a, you know, sort of, I was on a corporate track. I was always an academic student, did real well in school. And so it was just kind of like, well, you'd be a lawyer or, you know, a doctor and I couldn't stand the sight of blood. So I was like, maybe I'll become a lawyer, you know, or become a CPA or do something. And so kind of started going down that track. Uh, actually was doing very, very well. By the second year of college, I uh, was awarded full scholarship at Rutgers, 
uh, had a perfect grade point average and all that other stuff and got an internship at the Hess Corporation, right? The, ga the gas company. The gas company was, was uh, in Woodbridge, about 20 minutes north of my house where I lived in Central Jersey and got a paid internship, right? This was my sophomore year of college. Most, most kids don't even get internships until their junior year and they're usually not even paid. But sophomore year, I, I basically marketed myself. I wrote, I had like cold it. call companies. I wrote letters and I was like, dude, I'm the number one student. You want me in your company? And, uh, and I got it. And, uh, you know, it was cool. I was making, you know, whatever, five, 600 bucks a, a week. I, I got to wear a suit. I had a tag. They had a little corporate cafeteria. Everybody liked me. It was all, you know, they kept telling me, oh, when this is over, you know, when you graduate, there'll be a spot. Wait, you know, all this kind of really positive stuff. But there was something that happened one morning. And I don't even know where it happened or how it happened. But one morning, um, I woke up in bed, you know, and I kind of used to set my alarm clock. Uh, Cause I had to, you know, go through and commute in traffic and all this other stuff to get to work. And all of a sudden I was just laying in bed and I just, this thought literally like floated into my head and it was, I want to wake up every single day excited to start my day. Yeah. And that's really where, I mean, I could go back to, you know, my brother and I always did weird little businesses like most kids do when they were young, but that was really a defining moment for me where I was like, I want to wake up every single day excited to start my day. And at that point, even though I was making money, it was good for my resume, everybody liked me, all that other stuff, I wasn't. I wasn't excited. I wasn't excited to get in my car, put on, I hated wearing a suit and tie. I hated commuting. I wasn't excited to sit at a desk. And I'm, okay, I do like spreadsheets a lot, but doing them for eight hours a day wasn't like, it just wasn't exciting. And, and once that thought hit, it just literally, it, it kind of reminds me of that, that movie Inception, you know, like once, you know, there's nothing, you know, more unstoppable than a virus is an idea once it's taken hold. It was once that idea got in my head of how can I live my life excited to start every day? That was where the entrepreneurial journey came because that's when I started making very unconventional risky decisions to to engineer a lifestyle that would allow me to wake up every single day excited to start my day. Wow. I think that there's so much resonance in this story, my friend. Like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, I, but as I'm thinking of like you in the corporate world, I went to university and did, uh, accounting. I, I went, Oh really? I was okay, in, cool. Yeah. So, so it was same thing. I marketed myself like throughout and then I had all these yeah. opportunities, but the, the fascinating thing is just like you, it's like one day it was, uh, somebody asked me to clean out a, a popcorn machine and it just woke me up and I was like, what am I doing here? Like I have so much more value than this a popcorn machine. What did a popcorn machine have to do with accounting? Right. <laughs> right. That's what I said. Okay. You were working in an office. You mean? Yeah, I was working in the office and okay. they, they had like, you know, a party or whatever. And it was like, can you right. clean this up? Like, no, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to do this. That's I think you just like tore, your tie, like, you tore your tie off. You threw your tag yeah, at exactly. him. You just I was like wearing this tie. Like, yeah. it made no sense to me. It just is like, and I realized in that moment how many people, you know, just end up kind of settling for, for their life settling for the circumstance because they either went to school for a couple of years or, or they were, they've been in a certain business or they've been an employee for a certain amount of years. And, you know, I was at that point five years in school and I realized, wow, like this is something that doesn't align with me. I need to pivot and switch. And so like, 
I think that comes to a lot of like our lifestyle is like iteration and like resilience and pushing through and having the ability to, or the audacity to like do it anyway. So what, as you kind of like have unfolded and you've been growing and you're like, you know, you know, even, and I'm sure certainly you didn't always love spreadsheets, but like there was like this iterative process that evolved, you know, into, into spreadsheets and marketing. What was it that like allowed you to recognize, wow, like this is something that is, is going to get better as I continue to push through all of these levels of uncertainty certainties because yeah. i know there's a lot of people on here that they're always like i need to be perfect it all needs to yeah. be amazing before i do anything yeah 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 so so it's interesting you know first of all i would say to, to anybody out there like the fear and the anxiety doesn't go away like it doesn't it you know like it doesn't it, it just do, doesn't matter how many wins you chalk up on your belt doesn't matter you know what next revenue income goal accolade you hit you know it's you know boldness metal to you know, the temerity all comes from just standing in the face of it and saying, I'm still going to push on. Right. You know, and you know how that is, right. You put a marketing campaign together and, and we're like, dude, this is going to crush and you go out and it's maybe that's the one that doesn't crush. Maybe it's the one that has crickets, you know, and, and, but you go, I'll figure it out. And that, that really came from, uh, this does tie into, to my journey and my, the part of the story with Todd, where, you know, we've been, uh, you know, best friends for almost 30 years now. Uh, crazy enough. I met him a long time ago when I was uh, in a health food store of all places. I was kind of getting into weightlifting. He worked at the store. I wanted to buy supplements. He's about, you know, five and a half, six years older than I am. And uh, kind of when I went there, I would just start to ask him questions, you know, what, what should, how kind of exercise should I do? What protein should I take? And we, we kind of developed this friendship, this kind of big brother, little brother relationship uh, at a time uh, uniquely in our lives where, you know, I, I kind of had some stress with my older brother and some distance. And Todd was at a, at a place where he really, you know, liked having somebody to, to kind of mentor a bit. And, and that was where our, our friendship started, uh, you know, 30 years ago. And I remember, you know, eventually we started going to the gym together and we started working out together and we used to like work out as hard as like we, we were the guys that used to get yelled at in the gym all the time. Right. Cause we would just be like throwing weights, you know, grunt. Cause we were just, it was like a war. <laughs> like other people were like, yeah, I'm going to burn some calories today. We were like, dude, I'm going to put so much weight on. Like if you get crushed, too bad. Like it's too bad. You know, if you don't get crushed, it's a good set. You know, we would just go there. We would just wage war. You know, we would just go out there and battle. I mean, like yeah. literally, you know, leg day, we'd be laying on the floor, like partially unconscious. People would be like, dude, to those guys, cause we would just push ourselves so hard. And, um, we would always carry around like these little journals and keep track of everything. This is getting back to where that tenacity comes from is, yeah. uh, in the back, I remember the back of Todd's journal, he always had this quote that was like, you know, you know, if I work harder than the next guy and I go further and I push where he quits, someday I will beat that guy. And so we, you know, during that time of competitive weightlifting is where we really, you know, for me, uh, and I think for the both of us really instilled this, like, I could, if I put my, if I push myself, I'll figure out how to win. I'll figure out how to beat everybody else. It was kind of what I took into the academic world. Uh, Todd and I used to joke about the business world. We used to, we, Todd used to say to me, like, look, he's like, at the end of the day, he goes, we had no degrees, we had nothing. 
He goes, you and I know we could both get a job at McDonald's and within a year we'd be running the entire place. We'd be like regional managers because we would outwork, outthink, outpush, outperform every other person. We would go harder, we would go further. And so that's where that, that just mentality of like, man, I'm not going to stop. Like I won't, I'll figure it out. Like I will, you know, I always say to people like, look, you know, I'd, I'd like to, Maybe, maybe when I'm all white haired, I'll consider myself some sort of a, a guru or something like that. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just a gritty entrepreneur who knows how to throw down and fight. I know how to take a punch, get up, take a couple more punches and just keep going at it until I figure it out. And so where that ties to online marketing is, you know, when we started, you know, kind of you take that moment of saying, I want to engineer my life. I want to do something. I want to have control. I want to be excited every day to wake up. And then this like, man, if I work hard enough, I'll beat everybody else. And so when we started getting introduced to the world of direct response and online marketing, it was this kind of magic moment of like, okay, this is the game we can win, right? This is not a loaded deck, you know, in, in the world of weightlifting and bodybuilding and all that, like clearly I was never going to be Mr. Olympia, right? I was never, <laughs> didn't have the genetics, the DNA, and no way. I mean, I, I literally started weight training. I was probably 156 pounds and like, five years of carrying chicken and sweet potatoes in my pockets later, I still, I probably made like 162 pounds, right? It was just an, un, it was an uneven playing field, but yeah. the world of direct response and online marketing was a place where it's like, wow, like I can go in and throw down. And as long as I'm willing to work through the punches, I can build the business I want. I can build the life I want. And that's, that's, what's been the journey for me. You know, I think so many people, when it comes to um, direct response marketing, it really, they finesse and think that um, they need to, like, for example, sometimes I've bumped into, you know, individuals where they think that uh, marketing is all about the sales component. When really um, we did, we, you know, we've, I've taken the E5 course, you know, like Todd always talks about how it like, selling the offer and the offer like it really is 25 percent of of like the whole whole aspect of of really taking people through the customer journey so how important it is is it to really get into direct response and marketing when you're a new business whether whether you're a new business or a flourishing six seven eight figure business because this is i think like obviously you guys are geniuses at this and something sure. that I really hold dear to my heart with, with the way that I, I work. But like, I think there's a lot of people out there that think, you know, marketing is not necessary or I just need to go out there and sell. Um, what about the education part? What about like, you know, the, 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 the connection part? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the, one of the things, there's a lot, there's a lot of sayings we have around here, but one of the things we used to say back in the day when, when Todd and I were first kind of pioneering building our first businesses, both individually and together is that look, you know, sales solve all other problems. It's very rare that you hear a business that goes out of business where they're like, man, we were getting so many sales. However, you know, our customer support department, you know, wasn't that good or our branding wasn't the best or our, our website graphics didn't look awesome, right? Most people who go out of business, it's because they can't generate consistent sales. And when I say sales, I'm not necessarily referring to sales versus marketing. I'm talking about generating revenue right? Generating new customers. And so that really is the business, right? If you don't have the ability to get new customers consistently day in and day out from cold traffic, 
you don't have a business. And what a lot of people do, Eric, is there's obviously this, this huge fad and movement and it's liberating and exciting around influencers and channels and all that. Very unpredictable, very unpredictable. And most people aren't cut out for it. You know, we always joke about, you know, I, I like Gary Vee. Gary Vee's a, you know, has Jersey roots and all that stuff. And, and Gary, you know, just get out there and put your passion in. Most people, nine out of 10 people are horrible on a podcast. They're horrible in front of a camera. It's not where they're, you know, and, and they don't like doing, and it's painful for them. But direct response done right is something anybody can do and do extremely well. And it's about really taking back that control. I don't want to be in a business where I put up a video, cross my fingers and hope people like it and share it. I don't want to be in a business where I release a piece of blog content and hope that an SEO engine, you know, picks it up and ranks it well and I get clicks. I want to know that if I build an offer, if I build an argument, if I build a, an acquisition campaign that works, I know I can go, I can bring it to the market. I can put my money down. I can invest just like an investor would in the stock market or any other uh, commodities market. And I can buy customers and grow my business and have that level of control. And so that's, that's why marketing matters. It, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the shelves, there are shelves full of the world's greatest products collecting dust. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad, uh, my dad who passed this last year was one of those. My dad was a dentist. My dad was known literally as the world's greatest dentist. I mean, people loved, I mean, people would come in the office and literally walk around the desk and hug and kiss him on the cheek. Hello. Like they loved him emphatically. They would tell him that his dentistry, his care, his integrity was just unmatched, but his business went like this his whole life. And he financially yeah. struggled his whole life because he operated under the, the presumption that, well, if I provide a good service or I provide a great superior product, everything else will work itself out. And he hated sales and marketing, hated it with a passion. And because of it, he had a lot of people who loved him, but he had a business that unfortunately was was unstable and didn't didn't reward him for the amount of passion and talent that he had his whole life. And that's why it's like you gotta you gotta make the investment. You gotta take the time. You gotta get, you know, even if you don't want to do it your whole life, even if you're like, man, I just don't want like you gotta suck it up. If you really want to build a bit, if you really want to do this, you don't want to work for somebody else, you really want to create independence, you gotta suck it up and you gotta do it. And at least get to the level where you have enough chops that you know how to manage and hire the people to do it once you hand it off. But thinking that you can take, I remember, I'll tell you a quick story. A couple of years ago, we actually opened up an agency for a short period of time because we had so many people who were like, can you just do this for me? Do this for me. And we would have people coming and they would, you know, you know, multiple five figure contracts. And then we just hit this point where we had people come to us, Eric, and they were like, well, I don't really have a product. I'm not really sure of my market, but I kind of want a campaign. And, and I was like, we're figuring out, like, this is everything. Like, this is the whole darn business. This is the whole kit and caboodle. To be able to figure out, like, how, you know, what, what does this market want? How do I deliver it? What's the messaging? What's the argument? What's the offer that forces them to take action because it's so crazy? That's the whole business. And that's why we were like, if we're going to do all that work, we'll do it for ourselves. We'll, we'll build daughter businesses, sister businesses, which we've done. Um, but for somebody to come and just think that you can write a check and outsource that part of your business, it's just not realistic. Because if it's truly, if you truly have a special business, Eric, and I know this is true for you, because it, from the first day I saw you, just the level of passion and conviction you have, right? If you really have a business, right? You're there not only to make money, but you're there because you believe you have something special. You believe you can help people. You believe you can make the world a better place and change some lives. 
And if you have that passion, nobody's going to bring that passion across more clearly than you are, especially at the get-go. You're the one that needs to put the flag in the ground, and you need to figure out how to make it clear as day why you're unique, why you're special, and why you can generate a result that other people in the market currently can't for their prospects, whether they're looking to lose weight, look younger, um, grow a business, or whatever it is, you know, get over, you know, diverticulitis, whatever it is that they're trying to do, that you're able to do that for them. I think uh, and one thing that like really like I, I'm just curious to know about because I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, when you talk in, in, you know, this is something that has been, you know, people are talking so much about like the different pillars of, of customer acquisition, you know, whether it's retention or referrals, uh, you know, or they have a referral based business. But, sure. you know, I think, and, and this is something that you touched on is like, if you can't turn cold traffic, into you know buying or, or or customers you know you're you don't really have a business and i love that you said that because i believe that like you know that's the holy grail of marketing is like the holy grail of really connecting and growing your business is turning that cold traffic into somebody and you know like i'm now i don't know two and a half years into this business you know you, you got a few you got a few years on me and having now that transition slowly to happen because before it was like, you know, people were, they knew about Eric, right. Or there was a relationship and now it's like starting to build that different momentum where it's like cold traffic. Describe the process, if you don't mind, of what true, true cold traffic normally would look like or, or that, that transition from turning a cold lead into a, like a warm lead and a warm to a hot, um, you know, person that would, would, would essentially take us to that uh, buyer persona through those buyer personas. Yeah. So, so this is, this is kind of like a sneak peek, like part of the methodology that we teach Todd's life's work and direct response. So, you know, the E5 method that you mentioned is part of that. And this is just a component of it is we're big proponents of what's called educational based marketing. And so the idea is, so there's, there's brand institutional marketing, which is just kind of like Coca-Cola, you know, just for, was that Coca-Cola just for the fun of it? I don't even remember, whatever. Like just I don't remember. <laughs> put, put up a pretty color, a phrase, a model, somebody with a beach ball and like, you know, great. If you're Coca-Cola and you have billions of dollars of ad budget, sure. Okay. Uh, and then there's just people who just straight up sell, right? Like, hey, I'm a chiropractor, come to my office, three appointments for, you know, 99 bucks come in, like just, they're just trying to sell. But when we're talking about marketing uh, and specifically educational based marketing, it's creating a, an argument. Uh, I don't want to say content because content sounds almost too passive, but it's creating a campaign or an argument that brings value and education to a prospect while also building an unquestionable desire for your solution. And so what people yeah. typically do is they say, okay, I'm, I'm selling this. This is my, my, my coconut oil bomb. I got to, my, my hands get dry in the winter because we have a little farm out here in Virginia and I'm always outside. And so the, the idea that like marketing is just like, hey, buy this product, it's $4.99 and it's better than competitive. Like that's just, that's just trying to sell something. But it's being able to say, well, what's unique about this product? Why does this product work? Well, because it has coconut oil, uh, it has fair trade coconut oil and Manoy. I don't even know what Manoy is. Maybe, maybe you know what that is. Um, 
and it has extra virgin coke, right? And, and getting into the product and then saying, instead of selling the product, I'm gonna educate about why this product works. I'm gonna educate around, hey, you know, I wanna talk about if you have dry hands, they never seem to get better. I wanna talk about why, you know, extra virgin, you know, extra virgin coconut oil, uh, that's, you know, fair trade extra virgin coconut oil is the only way to heal your skin. Let me explain why. There are three different types of, you know, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, lotions or if I, you know, that, that can help your skin, so on and so forth. However, you know, most of these are missing core components. They're missing certain, uh, you know, essential uh, fats. They're missing this, da, da, da. only this, only this type of oil contains all the things you need to heal truly cracked dry hands in the coldest of winters and the harshest of outdoor work, so on and so forth. Right. And so you're bringing value, educational-based marketing, you're educating your prospect in a true way, right, in a, in a valuable way, in a way with integrity, in a way with intelligence, in a way with authority. And then at the end, they're going, before you even say, I have a product to sell you, they're going like, holy cow, now I know why all the other hand lotions never work for me. And at the end you say, and because once I discovered this was the only way to do it and how hard it was to access, I created a product. In fact, it's the only product that I know of that actually has all these special coconut oils in it and you can grab it here at that point selling as we say becomes sort of superfluous or becomes uh you know the like closer service. to almost yeah closer to a service because you've spent the time investing in the process uh, in the prospect and really educating and teaching them and they're walking away going like wow i know something all right i, I know more now than i knew before when educational based marketing is done right, where it's, it can be done in a way that's kind of thinly guised and not really well executed, but when it's done right, your prospects walk away more educated consumers. You've brought value into their world. And so if yeah. they genuinely have that problem, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna want that back from you, right? You know, money, money follows value, right? And when you solve problems, you create value. And so when you're able to solve a problem by bringing educational-based marketing, value follows and then sales follow value. Yeah. And, and I love it because I think that educational-based marketing has really helped, helped me understand how much more of a service focus we need to be in, in the world to deliver value. It's like um, we stop thinking about ourselves. We start, stop thinking about the product, but actually focusing on what the client's desires are and then understanding that we tie that, you know, process or product that service to their desires in understanding how you really can get in their brains. And, and that's what I really love about direct response. It's like, there's this huge human psychological aspect of it. Sure. You know, of a mindset of like really getting into the brain of, of each other. And like, it brings this essence of like taking, you know, Ruby said, he's like our greatest wounds become our greatest, like, light or our greatest opportunity that Sufi poet Ruby and I really believe that like you know we, we fix something for ourselves create value in ourselves you know work around it and then we can now heal our we've healed ourselves so we can now go out there whatever the product whatever the service whatever the process is we can go out there and create for others so what I always share with with so many people is like, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, or I, I don't have a, a, an expertise or I don't have brilliance. I don't have a, some yeah. sort of a service I can provide. And I always say is like, well, you know, what do you what are you passionate about? And if it's something that you're passionate about, you can actually turn that into a product or a service. Would you agree with with that statement? 
Um, I, I think, yeah, I think there's two sides to it. I think the, the easier way, or I would say the more surefire way, although it's a bit ch more challenging, is where can you solve a problem or alleviate a pain that currently mm -hmm. isn't being solved or alleviated or not effectively? That's really when you could look at something, right? You kind of always hear this on Shark Tank, right? Like, hey, I was trying to, you know, wash dishes. I was trying to mow my lawn and realize that this problem existed and nobody else can fix it. And therefore I solved the problem, right? Yeah. And if it's a really big problem, it's a known problem, then you, you have something really, really good. Um, if not, like where you can bring value that's missing in the world, where you can look at something and say, man, I, I can bring value to it. Just like, you know, if we were, if you were into, you know, if you had the hand lotion and you and I were hanging out, you wouldn't just be like, oh, and by the way, buy my hand lotion. You'd, you'd be hopefully, right. If you're a true entrepreneur, you're not just like, you're not, you're not a weekend warrior, you're not a faker. You're not like, like you're a true entrepreneur. You'd be like, holy cow, dude, I have to tell you this story. It's the craziest thing about why nine out of 10 hand lotions don't work. And actually they can make your hands worse. Uh, it's kind of really weird because, you know, it turned out that, you know, my wife told me this thing and I ended up looking up these books and I found out this thing and it all turned out to be true. And so I ran a test, I actually brought something to a lab and I found that it, da, 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 and ultimately it led me to doing, by the end, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I don't even know I have dry hands, but I got to get this hand lotion. It sounds like the best thing in the world, right? Because you, you've, you've, you've educated me, you brought me into a store, you, you showed me that you're, you're doing something unique and different. I think that that's, that is the power, like that's always been the power is like, how can we share our, our stories and our experience so that people can resonate. And then from that, that resonant, uh, resident or that resonating offer, so to speak, like instilled, um, inside of our story gives them that ability to like, wow, I get, I want more curiosity. I want that rapport. I have that trust. And now it's like, tell me more. I'm excited. I want to, I want to know more about, you know, the service or how you can help me. Um, you know, David, where do you get, because, you know, so much of how we, uh, we, we, you know, we talked about the big idea, the original idea in the past. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's so funny because like whatever I like, trying to understand the differences in my big idea. I feel like I guess get so much feedback. It's like, no, fix it, fix it. It was amazing. Yeah. And I, I just loved it yeah. because it just gave me so much to think about. Um, but really like, where do we, where do so many people, where do you, you know, like get your best ideas or where do they show up? Because people think, you know, it's just like it pops in their brain all of a sudden. And I'm just curious to know where you, and Todd get some of your brilliance, some of your best ideas? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. There's a book, uh, really, really cool uh, Christian book I read a number of years ago. It was called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And it comes out of a, a biblical account, very, very short account. It's literally like two little lines. And it talks about this uh, this warrior named Benaniah uh, who basically went in a pit with a lion and, and fought a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And, and it, you know, it's very kind of epic and it goes very, very long into, you know, what was his mentality? Why would he have done with this? What was at stake? And one of the things they boil down to, and, and I always forget the term, it's, it's, it's cognitive something. I forgot the name of it. It's escaping me at the moment. But the point is they talked about how this warrior had lenses on who was always, he was always thinking about like, how can I protect the people? How can I serve 
my king. He was always thinking that way. So when he saw a, pit, a lion in a pit on a snowy day where most people would be like, dude, that's nuts. Like, get out of here. Like, let's stay home today. Let someone else to deal with it. He saw it and he went, okay, that's my problem. I got to go fix that. And that's the same thing when it becomes marketing is where you have to have that shift, that mindset shift where all of a sudden that becomes what you start looking for all the day. And you start to see the, you know, kind of like you start to see the matrix, you start to see the numbers that play out everywhere. I remember when we had our first daughter um, and uh, when my wife was pregnant, one of the big conversations, what kind of stroller are we going to get? Now, before this, I had no idea what strollers were. I didn't even, I didn't recognize, I didn't know people even use strollers. I couldn't have named a single brand. I didn't know anything. I didn't, but as soon as we started having that dialogue over and over again, every time we went out, I'd be like, oh, there, there's, there's, there's an orbit. Oh, that's last year's model. Oh, there's a bug. Like I started recognizing everything because all of a sudden, like it was brought to that, it like kind of awakened that vision. And I think that's the same thing that happens with great marketing is the more you start to train your mind, the more you make an internal commitment to go, you know what? Marketing is what's going to change my business. It is what I need to go to the next level. Uh, you'll start to see pieces that come together. And then the fun part is when you get to a certain level of, of confidence, you realize that there's a research component, which we're very, very big into. And Todd teaches, uh, honestly, I think better than anybody, like how to deeply research into a big marketing idea. But then there's also this, uh, this sort of muse element of it, where there's this inspired surreptitious, uh, not surreptitious, uh, serendipitous element to it, where when you start to look, you just start to see connections between yeah. things. And you start to go, wait a second, I'm out here, you know, fixing this barn door. This reminds me of this problem or, oh, I just, I just heard this song on the radio that totally reminds me of, of this, this story about Frank Sinatra. That's a perfect way to explain. And you start to see all these pieces come together. And that's where it becomes really, really exciting and really interesting rather than I'm sure you've seen, you know, we've all seen direct response marketing done poorly. And you kind of just, it's always the same thing. Like, you know, I bought all these courses and I got frustrated. And that's when I decided I could make a million dollars in seven days. And I'm going to share my formula with nobody except you today. You know, and it's like, dude, it's so contrite. It's not real. It's not your story. It's not inspired. But when it can come from that real place, again, because you're so, you're so passionate, right? Like, yeah. just like when, when, you know, when, when Todd and I used to be into weightlifting bodybuilding, like everywhere I went, I was like, man, that guy weighs about 155 pounds. He's probably like 12% body fat. That guy weighs 160, yeah. but I could probably outbench. Like everywhere I went, right. It was all I saw. It was all I thought about, you know, yeah. while, you know, I wonder if I'm bigger or smaller than that guy. I wonder how much he can squat. Like I just, you just thought about it all the time. And I think it's, it's being around folks like yourself and your tribe and, and getting, uh, getting fired up so that you just start to see things in that way. So it's not this like, forced, painful, weird thing, but it's just a natural overflow of how you express your passion for your business and your desire to help people. And it shows up in like so much of your, and I think you were looking for the word cognitive dissonance. There you go. Yeah. Well, maybe. Um, I, I think that it was like, for, for me, it's like, it's all of these. And that's why I, I, I always tie it back to like, how is your experience of life allowing you to come up with new ideas and then from the research like you guys say uh and you know todd has really like nailed it in into my brain is like research that will create more creativity because you nail in the research you nail in your experience of life well now you've got a really clear picture of how you can like shift 
such of your unique mechanism or your unique method or your unique delivery, you know, in a, in a way that like is totally defined differently in the marketplace. And I think that that's something that like, for me was like this big aha moment, this big breakthrough moment is like, at the end of the day, it's like Steve Jobs said, you know, when somebody asked him, where did you get your best ideas? He's like, I stole them all. <laughs> right. right. Like, but it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it really is. It's like, there's so many great ideas out there and we can, we can really learn from so many of our competitors from each other and just continue to bring our unique presence or our unique, like unique uniqueness into, into each other. So I think that that's like a really fundamental factor. And Damien, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know you work with tons of entrepreneurs and, and you give, you give so many people a path to success, you and Todd, what do you feel is one reason why people, you know, really end up failing? Are you talking about as an individual or from a business perspective? I think uh, from a business perspective, like marketing um, or like, yeah, iterating, you know, taking their processes to the next level, Facebook ads. Yeah, it's really, honestly, they fail on the inability to focus on really just solving that one issue, right? The ability, right? If you're whoever you are, you're listening to my voice right now, whether you're making a thousand dollars a month or, uh, you know, you're doing seven figures a month. You have to, well, you're, there's no, first of all, there's no way you're doing seven figures a month if you don't do this, but you have to be able to consistently get new customers. Yeah. And the only way to consistently get them, right? Because, you know, SP, SEO influence, right? That's all kind of gravy and that could be cool and nice, but that's not, it's not predictable. The only way to predictably get new customers is being able to run paid ads, whether paid ads are Facebook, YouTube, GDN, LinkedIn, doing solo drops. Uh, we, we had a top one member that all they did was literally offline remnant ads and print magazines for supplements, and they built a multi-million dollar business. But you have to be able to do that. And there definitely is, I've noticed this, even in myself, that in the business, being a marketer, especially direct response marketer, is scary intimidating it because it's a straight up like you're going to go out and you're going to either get a you're going to hit or you're going to fail right and it stinks it stinks to go out there right and to to have something completely fall flat be a dud and send it out to 100 or 100,000 prospects and be like man nobody bought this thing and and that's hard and that's painful so a lot of times as entrepreneurs you know most entrepreneurs i know are not lazy they just tend to be busy on the wrong things and so there's always that tendency to want to hide behind the operational side of the business. Well, for, I, I got to make the FAQs on the page better and I got to hire three more support people and I should create a process for our billing department first. And, and because that stuff feels safe, right? You're not going to have that sense of failure if you, you didn't create the billing process properly. But when you create a, like you're putting yourself out there, right? And you're going to know straight up like this either, right? I, I came out there, I, 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 I sang my song and nobody listened or somebody booting through a tomato at me and you got to deal with that. And so it's really, honestly, most entrepreneurs just want to hide. They want to pretend that everything else is going to make the business work. Well, if I just had a better, a better story, you know, a better story behind my brand, if I had a, you know, a better, you know, better team synergy, if I had my website graphics were more updated, if it, if I had a better mobile version, like, and it's like, if your marketing and your messaging isn't dialed, if you don't have your campaign, your acquisition nailed, you don't have a business. You just don't have a business that's going to create predictable income and sales. 
And that and that's where it is. It's really making the commitment to that and not not hiding from it. And again, I, I'll be I'll be the first one to confess, Eric. It even happens to me sometimes, right? Even as like yeah. the CEO of the business, I still get my hands dirty in marketing. But it always feels a little safer to be, well, I'll have some meetings, I'll set up some Trello cards as opposed to say, I'm gonna write the email, I'm gonna do the sales pitch, I'm gonna write the marketing argument. Because you right, that's where that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's where like you have to deal with victory or success, you know, victory or failure. And if you fail, you have to deal with the consequences of it and be able to pick it up and say, Can I make can I turn this into a win? How do I how do I how do I learn from this? How do I grow and how do I fix it? And I found I love that you say like you know you'll pick up the copy you'll you'll, you'll do whatever the argument you'll write the thesis whatever it needs to happen. I love how you shared that because I feel like you know recently there's been so much like peaks and valleys in like some of some of my direct response some of my ads and stuff like we've talked about it just off air before this but like yeah and I was I I, I brought in some amazing people to to support me and then but then it was like I still want to go through the feedback and I still want to like make sure that, you know, it's in my voice and make sure that things are, you know, like based off of my promise. And really like, I'm I'm in this like renovation stage of like, you know, Todd, you know, Todd helped me structure into calling it my renovation. And it really has been like a beautiful um, forefront of like recognizing because now I know I'm putting myself in a place where I am going to, be at the forefront of that that new new launch and how we're really bringing it to the table and having the ability and the audacity to say yeah like i signed off on this i'm ready to like you said hit the road and what happens next you know is just you know i put i put all my all my effort into this and i'm ready to to give it give it all i've got and if i fail i'm going to fail forward right i'm yeah. going to learn from it yeah so that to me was really like important. And I think that, that I love that, you know, having to, to put our efforts always, whether, you know, we have a team or we're a solo printer or, or whatever, you know, whatever the case is, or as we grow to six, seven, eight figures, it really at the end of the day is about like really caring and having um, the willingness to, to put our, our, our eaten or, or sorry, our, our hands in the dirt and do the work. So. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you the, I mean, the just shift in mindset. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs we talk to that are like, oh, I've been working on a product. Okay, great. For how long? Two years. Have you sold anything? No, I got to get the product a little better. How do you know anybody even wants it? How do you know right. it's even going to work? How do you know it's even, like you don't, like, that's why like in, in true direct response, the better thing to do is to build the marketing first. Build the marketing first and then figure out how to deliver on the promise of the marketing. But no, like start with the ability to get customers. Start with the ability to recognize that you're going to solve a problem, alleviate a pain, and, and bring an offer that your, your marketing or prospects are going to go wild about. That's where you need to start, not in this. Uh, again, I hear it over and over again. Well, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to market it. I'm just going to make things a little bit better for who? Better in your mind, right? As you're sitting, right? As you're sitting at a desk by yourself for two months, three months, two years, just trying to make a product, you know, an info training, a book better or something like that. Um, you got to get out there. Literally, I mean, that happens everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I hope I won't, I won't embarrass him too much, but, uh, you know, for the longest time, Todd was like, I want, I want to get my E5 book, E5 book, E5. And he was working on it for like two years. And finally, we just got a point where it's like, dude, we have to get this out. Like, there's no, like, he was like, well, you know, and I was like, look, and look, your version 
of a, of a B plus book, which I think the book's an A now because we've gone through multiple iterations to be very clear. But I said, yeah. we'll change more lives and in more, impact more people than that same book being unreleased to anybody. And so I think a lot of times you get trapped in this own perfectionism, you know, especially when we're so passionate as, as Todd is about our methodology and helping our students that we just, it has to be the best of the best when I realize like, like there's always going to be things that can be that much more better, that much better, but like get out there and, and get your stuff out there. Like start helping people, start marketing, start selling and get your solutions out there and bring value to the world. And you'll figure it out as you go, but you gotta, gotta get customers, gotta get sales. Otherwise it's not a business. hundred percent brother. This was amazing. You la you, you just dropped so much gifts, so much knowledge. What is the best way to find out more about E5, the book, Todd, yeah. yourself, MFA? What, what's the best way that people can reach out? Just, they just go on to toddbrown.me, toddbrown.ne. You can go there. Uh, what I really recommend is either grabbing one of our books or even better hopping on the phone with one of our, uh, one of our strategists. They'll kind of sit down, they'll assess your business. They'll tell you exactly how the, the E5 method could be implemented in your business and how we can help you along the journey. And, and yeah, we would love to be a part of your story. Just like we're honored to be a part of yours, Eric. Love it, brother. Uh, so one last question before we go. And again, for anybody, I'll make sure I'll, I'll put all of those links into the show notes. Um, Damien, if you had three days left to live, what would you do? Wow. I probably, uh, I take my wife and my girls and I would either go to uh, Costa Rica or I would go to Italy and I would just spend as much undivided time as I could with them, uh, just being as present as I could with them without my mind running in a million directions. And then uh, when they fell asleep, I would just try to write as much as I could just to, just to let them know how precious and how much I loved all of them. Love it, brother. Thank you so much for your time, my, bre my friend. And any last comments, concern, anything you want to share? No, that's it. You're a superstar and just uh, appreciate you having, having me out here, man. Love being a part of your journey. Always, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Absolutely.